Does Zelensky have something to do with Tucker's drama? Mm, could be. <laughs> Banning gas stoves. They said it wouldn't happen. They lied. And what the hell is wrong with Ireland? You will not believe this one. Hey, welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. That's me. That's this guy. Nice to have you in. Thanks for popping in. Be sure you hit that follow button over here. Very important. We get a couple 300 views to every show, some more, some less, but uh, we really appreciate you guys and gals out there. Thank you so much for that. And if you wouldn't mind, because right now it looks a little weird on the ratio here, just hit that follow button if you popped in here for a second. Appreciate it. All right. So we got all that and more. And speaking of Tucker, we have a Fox News report that just broke hours ago. And it's weird to say the least. It could get interestinger and interestinger. We'll have that for you coming up right now, though. It's our favorite little furry friend. It is Miko and her update. What's happening in Miko's life? She's doing great. Had a, a great day today. Ate a full dinner, finally. And uh, <laughs> earlier today, uh, I got to play this for you. Earlier today, I was mucking around out in the driveway. That's my car in the background. And uh, I, tr I tried to get her to do kind of a, a speak thing, which she will. She'll bark for a treat when we ask her to speak. And then if we go, shh, quiet, she'll do this little meow, kind of whimper bark. Anyway, you watch the video and uh, you see what I'm talking about. Here we go. I speak. I speak. I speak. I speak. <laughs> So there you go. That was her earlier today. You see, she does that little like moan, like, oh. <laughs> Oh, man. The Miko update. <laughs> I love this dog. Brought to you by BarkBox.com slash Miko. That's the link you need to use if you're going to get our special deal. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service. It'll come right to your door. A big box filled with two toys, two treats, two bags of treats, and a dog chew. Every month is a new theme. And they've got a special, because it's May the 4th. Mm, you know, May the 4th be with you. Anyway, I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but if you are, knock yourselves out. There's an offer there for a cool Star Wars box also. Every month is a new theme, and if you sign up for a multi-month subscription, you can sign up for just one month. Check them out. You'll be back. Sign up for six months or 12 months. You get a month free when you use our link. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the link to use. And thank you, BarkBox, for sponsoring the uh, Miko update. She really is doing great. All right. Uh, look, this is not on our show notes because it only just happened and it is or it has the potential to be a real nightmare. The White House right now must be beside themselves going crazy trying to figure out how to handle this one. 
Take a look. This is from uh, Jesse Waters' Twitter feed. Give it a listen. Fox News alert. This just in. A highly credible whistleblower is alleging that the Department of Justice has evidence that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, was directly involved in a criminal scheme with a foreign national. We're being told that justice has had in their possession a document showing Biden directly exchanged money for policy decisions when he was vice president. Again, a foreign national bribed Vice President Biden in exchange for policy decisions. This isn't just cracked out, Hunter. This is a direct link to the President of the United States. Senator Chuck Grassley, who broke the news, says these allegations are very credible. Listen. We have credible information that this uh, possible uh, criminal activity took place. I do have uh, faith in the whistleblowers that bring it to me that this document exists. We have a rough idea of what's in the document from the uh, credible uh, whistleblower. We get this information. The document exists, and we'll have to get the document. To- so, uh, yeah, there you go. Grassley does not screw around when it comes to these kind of things. If he says it, it's likely true. And this is going to get interesting. We'll follow up on it. We'll see what happens. We'll bring you some more on it tomorrow night if it becomes interestinger. But it's ain't, uh, it ain't looking too good for the home team at the moment. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, so like I said, that just happened. It's breaking news, and it's uh, going on right now out there. So good luck with that, White House. You are in for it. A heap of trouble. All right. So since we, uh, since actually we were just talking about Fox, (laughs) this has nothing to do with that or Fox News, but it is a rather interesting angle on a report from Trending Politic, uh, Political News, Trending Politic News. It's the link in our show notes. You'll see it there uh, uh, tonight. And uh, this is, this is weird. There's been so many rumors going around about Tucker Carlson, what happened to Tucker, uh, why he was, he wasn't fired because technically he's still under contract. But there is a report out there, the link is in our show notes, that Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox, held a secret meeting with Zelensky before the Tucker firing. Now, they call it a firing, but, you know, whatever. Uh, You know... Yeah. The owner of Fox News and his son, a top deputy, held uh, two previously undisclosed meetings with the Ukraine president shortly before Tucker Carlton, uh, Carlson was taken off the air. Vehemently critical of Carlson, of course, of the U.S. sending aid to Ukraine. He has spent countless segments speaking out against it. Good for him. And uh, Semaphore broke the news that Fox Corporation owner Murdoch and his son, Latchlan, <laughs> allegedly met, met with Zelensky and held two separate calls to discuss the ongoing war and death of a Fox journalist killed in action. Now, while Carlson, who has vocally opposed uh, efforts to transfer billions of dollars to foreign aid to uh, the Ukraine, He wasn't mentioned in the calls by Zelensky. He's been criticized by some of the president's top deputies. Speculation has mounted, though, that some of the former host's opinions 
got him in trouble with the Murdoch family, especially as it relates to the Ukraine and other foreign policy matters like U.S. business relations with China, which has provided tacit support to Russia during its uh, attempt to seize neighboring Ukraine. Former President Trump, as well as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a likely contender for the GOP nomination. They both align with the anti-war wing of the GOP, where support for Carlson remains incredibly high. Carlson previously sent a questionnaire on the subject, to all the GOP presidential candidates. Mm. So, what did they talk about? What kind of influence, if any, did Zelensky have with a television host, Tucker Carlson, who made no bones about the fact that he was completely against sending billions of dollars to this thief, and in general against the war as a whole. I, you know, it's like one of those things where we may never know, but you just got to believe what you got to believe. I mean, why, what was the reason anyway? Okay, they said it was because of the uh, Fox News reporter killed in action. Uh, Yeah, okay, but I don't think that takes an in-person meeting and a couple of phone calls to discuss. This is weird, and this is not going away, and we will keep an eye on it. We'll find out more, and if we find out more, we will let you know, of course. I got another one for you from the Daily Caller. I love the Daily. Listen, if nothing else, check out the Daily Caller in general. Put it in your bookmarks, because they do some fantastic stuff there. Um, (laughs) This is a classic this, you know, here's another Kennedy who's kicking ass and taking names. Biden official left speechless after John Kennedy grills him on a simple question. I love this quote here. You don't know, do you? I got video coming up in just a bit. We'll tell you about it. Republican Louisiana Senator John Kennedy left a Biden admin official speechless on Wednesday, yesterday, after asking him how spending $50 trillion, that's with a T, $50 trillion will reduce global temperatures. You know, the whole climate change hoax. Well, the Deputy Secretary, David Turk, from the Department of Energy, he testified Wednesday in front of the Senate committee. Uh, He was supposed to be discussing 2024 budget requests. Kennedy noted the department's budget request was a 38% increase in green energy while cutting nuclear energy, morons, with barely an increase in fossil fuel energies at all. Kennedy then asked this knucklehead, give me an estimate. How much would it cost to be carbon neutral by 2050? Which Turk refused to provide a number. Kennedy first said Turk's colleagues have presented a figure in the range of $50 trillion before asking how much temperature would be affected by that massive spending. This exchange is a classic. Listen percent of global emissions. Yeah, but if right you could now. answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion, 
to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050. You're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing. Let me ask again. Maybe I'm being. Right now. Maybe I'm not being clear. <laughs> if we spent fifty trillion dollars to become carbon neutral by two thousand and fifty in the United States of America, how? How much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, countries. is it going to reduce so world we're temperatures? So we're 13% of global emissions. You don't know, right do you? <laughs> you don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You reduce. don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13% of if global emissions. If you know, why won't you we tell went, me? If we went to zero, that would be 13%. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion. And you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy, and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality, and you can't, and this isn't your money or my money, it's taxpayer money, and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures? There or you won't tell me? You know, but you won't? In my heart of hearts, there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the U.S. leads. Tell me. And he still doesn't answer the question. Good job, Mr. Kennedy. Wow. Slam bang. <laughs> and you still won't answer my question. <laughs> I gotta love this guy. Fantastic. Link to that, including the video, is in our show notes tonight. Yeah. Yet another administration official lying, or just refusing to answer the question, but lying is usually the tactic they take. Like, oh, say this story? Mm-hmm. Remember, we covered this months ago on this show about how they wanted to ban gas stoves, and then they said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that because of the pushback everybody gave them. Well, guess what? They lied. From Blaze Media, links in the show notes, New York becomes the first state to ban gas stoves and fossil fuels in new buildings to fight the hoax of climate change. The state of New York becoming the first state to ban gas stoves and other fossil fuel appliances, which I assume would mean a heating oil furnace, in new buildings in order to fight the hoax of climate change. I added the hoax part because it is. The new restrictions going to go into effect in 2026. Voted into law Tuesday in the state budget. Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul, did I say unelected, uh, insisted to reporters Tuesday ahead of the vote that they, uh, they report already installed stoves that will be grandfathered in and they won't be banned. Here's a quote from her. I want to be very clear. I know people love to misinterpret this, but people with existing gas stoves, you're welcome to keep them. Nice try. Doesn't work. You're still banning gas stoves, you moron. I think, I think, let me see. 
where that would be. Why don't I see it? I had a Chuck Schumer thing here, and now I don't see it. All right. Anyway, there was a tweet from Chuck Schumer when the whole banning gas stoves thing came up that said, you know, we will never ban gas stoves. That won't happen. Now I realize Chuck Schumer is a, you know, a senator. He's on the federal level. And this is New York State. Morons that they are. Nevertheless, just takes one domino to fall and the rest of the house comes down. And it will. It absolutely will. Okay, I'm flipping back and forth here. Stop doing that. <laughs> I, I got to get control back, okay? All right, I'll do that in just a minute. Uh, what else we got? Uh, oh, 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 yeah. Here's a good one. Mm. Is this it? It is. Remember I told you I had it. There it is. Words right out of the horse's ass's mouth. Chuck Schumer. Nobody is taking away your gas stove. Shameless and desperate MAGA Republicans are showing us they will cook up any distraction to divert from real issues the American people want solved, like the debt ceiling. Mm. That was just from February of this year. Nobody's taking away your gas stoves. Until 2026, when you try and build a new home in New York, New York State. So good luck with that, and the hell with you, Chuck Schumer. It's just, you know, they're just going to lie right to your face, and the people that support these morons are just going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. <sighs> Topic number 15. By the way, coming up tonight, we're going to start the book 1984 from George Orwell. I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. All right. Your iPhone, speaking of 1984, there's a good segue. Your iPhone is spying on you, and they admit it. Link to this is in our show notes, as always. Is your iPhone spying on you by taking invisible photos with the infrared camera? Well, get this. Basically, the short answer is yes. And they admit it. Your iPhone takes invisible photos of you all the time. The device takes an infrared image of your face every five seconds when it's turned on. They're used for your face ID to unlock your smartphone automatically. But why? what is the need to take a picture every five seconds? Apple iPhone, one of the largest selling smartphone devices on the market. The tech giant advertises its merchandise to be top of the line. No argument. They're high-tech devices, absolutely. Advanced technology, premium security features. And one of the selling points of an iPhone is their Face ID feature. They're not the only one that has it. Android has it, too. Almost every phone has it these days. My piece of crap Android Samsung phone also has it. I don't use it, but it has it. One of its selling points is that Face ID feature. An iPhone identifies the user, automatically unlocks the phone. You don't have to do anything else. You just hold it up like that. It sees your face. Bloop, your, your phone's unlocked. But that's not all it does. 
controversial method while its system is running. The details first shared by a TikTok user, and I've got that video coming up. As a matter of fact, let me play it right now. Hang on. Check this out. Here is the video that they're talking about in this article. Have you ever stopped to wonder if our phones are actually spying on us? Well, wonder no more. A couple of months ago, Bree Thomason found out through an infrared camera accidentally that our iPhones are taking invisible pictures of us every five seconds. Check this out. Wild and crazy Friday night findings. We just discovered, which we already knew, that your phone, an iPhone specifically, takes an infrared picture of you with your face ID every five-ish seconds. And we looked at it through an infrared camera and it's pretty wild. Let's show you. Okay, have your home screen. It's on the home screen. Not touching anything. No buttons. Okay, infrared lens on the camera. Boom, there was one. Two. <laughs> That's so wild. Okay, cover the camera. Okay. Oh, there's another one. Okay, nothing. Oh, it's trying. It's taking pictures of your finger. Okay, move your finger. Ready? Boom. This is something that we can't see with the naked eye. However, with an infrared camera, we can. So a lot of people started testing it out. This is so weird. This is an infrared camera, which can see infrared light. It became a viral sensation, and there are thousands and countless videos of people trying to stay out with their infrared cameras. How weird is that? Um, every five seconds, it's taken a picture, and you don't know it. Infrared light is invisible to the naked eye. You cannot see it. With these cameras they're using to shoot this, it's an infrared lens on the camera, so it can detect and see infrared light. 20,000 shares at the time they wrote this article. Uh, Fox 8 reporting the discovery caused a lot of users to panic, and it opened up issues about privacy, of course, and security issues for iPhone users. Smartphones become an essential element of everybody's life. I don't think I could even, I'm guilty of it myself. I couldn't get through a day without it, use it all the time. In fact, my eyes are beginning to go goofy because in addition to my work, my full-time job, and getting prepped for this show, I'm spending a lot more time on my handphone bookmarking sites and finding stuff to talk about. My eyes are going wonky from it, mainly because I'm an old man. But anyway, your iPhone is taking pictures all the time, and you don't know it. And now you do. Now, Apple has responded from their support page. They explained Face ID advanced technology. The article said uh, Face ID improves the security rather than exploiting it, your personal information. It's a revolutionized authentication method using facial... Yes, we know all this, Apple. Why are you taking pictures every five seconds? Can't you sense when there's a face in front of it and then take a picture? Yeah, I know you can, because if I wave to my phone, if I have it turned on, it will take a picture when, I, when it sees the hand go up. So your phone can obviously tell when you put your face in front of it. Now take a picture. Not every five damn seconds the phone's turned on. Unbelievable. And yet they just, you know, they dust it off. Oh, it's no big deal. It's a part of the security feature. And uh, as they always say, it's good for you. It's part of the security. It makes you safer. Mm, yeah. 
not. <sighs> Technology has to stop or somebody's got to get a handle on this crap. Do something, anything, just do something. Is another one for, oh man, this is a head shaker. Scientists are now in a debate, a hot debate. What side of it do you fall down on? The ethics of human reproduction without the female's egg and without the male's sperm. Kind of sounds like cloning, doesn't it? Well, it's called a word I'm probably going to mess up, but it's called in vitro gametogenesis, IVG. Remember those letters because you're going to be hearing more about it. It promises to someday provide a cure for many types of infertility. And while that may be the case, it opens up a Pandora's box of nightmares. Tennessee baby breaks a world record after being born from 27-year-old eggs. They were frozen 27 years ago. Scientists are getting closer to the very real possibility of making a new person from skin cells, blood cells. All they need is a few cells. No sex. Well, that's going to suck. This approach goes way beyond in vitro fertilization, where you take the egg from the woman and you the sperm from the guy and you put them together in a Petri dish and you allow them to fertilize and then you plant the egg back in the woman's womb. This ain't that. In vitro gametogenesis promises to someday provide a cure for a lot of types of infertility to slow or even turn off people's biological clocks when a woman, a real woman, a biological real woman who was born that way, and uh, when she gets to the age of menopause and then she basically is unable at that point to uh, have any more children, this says, "Mm, nope, not necessarily the case. Three-day meeting last week at the National Academy of Sciences. This is scary stuff in the wrong hands. You know, can you see Bill Gates getting a hold of this crap? I'm sure he'd like to. Three-day meeting, researchers eagerly discussed their work. Advocates laid out their vision for making IVG useful, and ethicists squirmed in their seats. The search, here we go, the search for a perfect race or a perfect baby, perfect generation, not science fiction, According to Amrita Pandey, a sociologist, University of Cape Town, South Africa, the technology for making babies from cells rather than eggs and sperm is about 10 years or more away. That ain't that far, my friends. That will come up on us faster than you know. For now, before the science turns the possibility into a reality, Good time for the public to think about the implications. Start looking into this. IVG. Glenn Cohen, an expert on the intersection of law and bioethics at Harvard Law School, had that comment. 
There is a certainty, there's certainly a lot of publications, this is him talking, a lot of interest in the science community, and it's great we're introducing it to a larger community. If people have serious ethical concerns, now is the time to spell them out. Yes, indeed it is. And, okay, I get the idea that they're claiming is behind it to solve the problem of some couples who are infertile, unable to have children. Okay, I can see that. I think the downside is just way too far down because you know this is going to get in the wrong people's hands. It's technology in the wrong people's hands is already happening. Bill Gates, I'm looking at you. Scary. More info is in this uh, article. You can check it out or read it for yourself. It's uh, it's an eye opener. You're gonna want to uh, you're gonna want to know about this. Why won't that open? Could we please open the next article? Thank you. What the hell is wrong with Ireland? Now I'm not kidding. I'm part Irish, a big part Irish. My Rojak mixed up background race is Irish, French, Welsh. I get a little uh, Native American. There's really, I am a mixed blood of all kinds. But um, <laughs> the Irish in me is wondering what the hell is going on in Ireland. This is such a freaking stupid story. Their new thought crime bill. Coming up, by the way, we'll start 1984 in just a little while. All these stories tonight seem to be leaning in that direction. I didn't do that on purpose, but here we go. Ireland's new thought crime bill is shockingly draconian. You could be sent to jail just for possessing offensive material. You got a meme on your phone? that the powers that be think is hateful, you're off to the pokey. I am absolutely not kidding. If the Irish government gets its way, people could soon be jailed for hate speech or what they determine is hate speech, even if you never said a single hateful word. The new criminal justice incitement to violence or hatred and hate offenses bill is currently passing through the Irish Parliament, and it contains some unbelievable authoritarian provisions. The bill will outlaw communications of material or speech that incite hatred against people with certain protected characteristics, race, religion, gender. Now, in practice, if other European hate speech laws are any guide, and they already are in effect in a number of countries, it ridiculously so, inciting hatred means little more than causing offense. Causing offense means you get some left-wing nutbag who simply says, I'm offended by that. That's all you need and you're under arrest. Punishable by up to five years in prison because of that meme you have on your phone. You don't even have to say anything. Just 
possessing that material if they determine it's hate speech or somebody gets offended by it. As if all this weren't draconian enough, it even makes a crime up to two years in jail simply to, quote, prepare or possess material likely to incite hatred. And possession could mean nothing more than having an offensive video on your computer or a dodgy meme saved on your phone. I've got tons of them. The Irish government, stupid as apparently they are, claim this bill is necessary to protect minorities. Please. It says it wants to defend them from harassment, threats, and abuse. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, so what? Shut up and sit the hell down. I don't care that you're offended. And the fact that you're offended means absolutely nothing to me. So what? You're offended. Get over it. So what? You're offended. Then what? Have some more soy milk. Literally, just for possessing a offensive name on your phone or video, you go to jail for between two and five years if this moronic legislation passes in Ireland. It already exists in some European countries, and it looks like these fools in the Irish uh, parliament, they have a parliament in Ireland? I think so. It looks like they're just going to jump right back in line with the rest of them. Unbelievable. Stop the world. I want to get off. Mm, you know what? Actually, I don't want to get off. I want to fight. You want to join me? I want to fight against this crap. I encourage you to do the same. Peacefully. Nonviolent methods. But there are a ton... We've listed some on this show before of ways to fight back against this bullcrap. Unbelievable bullcrap that they're feeding you. And 99 times out of 100, it's all lies anyway. Hey, just briefly, don't forget, please, our merchandise. Top link in the show notes. You can find mugs and T-shirts, all kinds of cool stuff from the Jay Sheldon Show. Thank you. Check it out. Also, our special limited edition AI gallery. Some beautiful canvas prints. One of a kinds. And uh, very limited editions, too. So check them out. They're the top two links over there. All right. We've got more about uh, mm, these idiots lying to you. Get a load of this. This is from Blaze Media. But read the headline. Ten-year-olds worked unpaid shifts at Kentucky McDonald's, sometimes until 2 a.m. <sighs> you read that, you think, oh my God, are you kidding me? Die. What are they doing? These are 10-year-olds working until, working A, B, until 2 a.m. A new report from the U.S. Department of Labor suggests that a McDonald's in Kentucky permitted two 10-year-olds to work unpaid shifts that sometimes ran into the wee hours of the morning. This report was released on Tuesday from the U.S. Department of Labor, said the kids worked at a McDonald's located in Louisville, owned by a franchise Bauer Foods uh, LLC. They performed all sorts of tasks that are typical in the fast food industry. 
serving meals, operating the drive through window, cleaning. One of the two children even supposedly used the deep fryer, a piece of machinery that's considered dangerous equipment, obviously. Uh, in fact, they are forbidden from anyone under 16 using that machine. And these kids were 10. Okay. Now, whether or not all this is true or not remains to be seen. But here's the bottom line. Wait till you see the rest of the story. Bauer Foods admitted to CNN, who did a report about this. You saw the headline. Ten-year-olds working at McDonald's until 2 a.m. The children were the kids of a night manager. They were at the McDonald's simply visiting their parents when they performed tasks for the restaurant. Their parents worked there. The kids were simply visiting their parents at work. Wasn't good enough, though. They fined Bauer Foods over $39,000 for the alleged child labor law violation. If they didn't get paid, can they technically say they were employed? They were performing labor? I don't know. I suppose they've got better lawyers than I do. But yeah, when you read that headline, you think, holy crap, I cannot believe that is going on. And then you get to the end of the story and you realize it ain't going on. It's simply some kids visiting mom and dad at work. And that's all it is. And that's all it had to do with. Incredible. Okay. <clears throat> do we want to do the parachute one or do we want to do the uh, glasses one? Which one? You want to do the glasses? All right. We'll do the glasses. No, no. We got this in our show notes. We have to do this one. Hold on. All right. Uh, there is sound with this. I'm not sure I'm going to play it because, A, it's loud and it's an obnoxious uh, announcer. Maybe I will. We always end this part of the show with a bit of good news or something fascinating or interesting to entertain you with. And we got one here. It's from our, uh, my Twitter feed. 25,000 feet up in the air. And that knucklehead right there. Oh, you can't see my mouse, right? All right, let me see if I can. There we go. You got it back. See that guy right there? He's jumping out of that plane. These two guys have parachutes. This one doesn't. 25,000 feet up, jumps out of a plane on purpose without a parachute. I'm going to open up the sound, which is going to double my voice, but just watch this. The idea is he's going to jump into a net. Some people are crazy. This guy is insane. How would you even know where to go? This is crazy. 150 miles an hour. Wow. And the net he's going to land in, hopefully... Ain't that big. Okay. Wow. 
this is insane. I hope you're enjoying this. Look at that. No parachute. He's got one chance to hit right on that net that's going to hopefully catch him. Or he's flat as a pancake. This is nuts. There's the target. Wow. There goes his support team. And here he comes. This is insane. Wow. That's not the circle. It's the little square inside the circle. My heart's in my throat. Bam! Wow! That is nuts. They're lowering the uh, the net down so he can get out. This is insane. Sorry if you're listening on the podcast. Check out the video on Rumble.com, the Jay Sheldon Show. There he is, standing up, good as right as rain. Look at that. Wow. Insane. Some people will do anything for a little screen time. 25,000 feet with no parachute into a net. What a nut job. (laughs) Excuse me. All right. One quick coffee break here. Mm. And then I got to do one quick thing. Uh, before we move on to our book, a brand new book, as a matter of fact. And uh, hang on just one second while I go here and then go there and then check this out. Okay. Uh, one of our uh, one of our viewers, uh, Madbone. Madbone, my friend. Hey, dude, I hope you're watching. Uh, he made a suggestion. We have read books on this show forever. We've done classic children books. The Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, Little Prince, uh, Alice in Wonderland. And he made the... As a matter of fact, I've got his message right here, which you put in the chat on our Rumble show. It says, I realize it's a nice relief to read your childhood favorites, but maybe the next novel could be George Orwell's 1984 or something else that could fit the tone of the show as you have a great voice. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but thank you, Madbone. And we do listen to you guys. We really do. You make comments, criticisms. You want to send us an email? We always leave our email on the uh, uh, chat, uh, the um, show notes. It's show at jsheldon.com. Or just tick a note in the chat. I read them all. I reply as much as I can to everybody. And uh, 
We're doing exactly that. We, tonight, are beginning a brand new book because we finished White Fang in our last show last night. And tonight we begin the all-time classic, George Orwell's 1984. Here we go. Chapter 1. It was a bright, cold day in April. The clocks were striking 13. Winston Smith, his chin nuzzled into his breast in an effort to escape the vile wind, slipped quickly through the glass doors of Victory Mansions, though not quickly enough to prevent a swirl of gritty dust from entering along with him. The hallway smelt of boiled cabbage and old rag mats. At one end of it, a colored poster, too large for indoor display, had been tacked to the wall. It depicted simply... An enormous face, more than a meter wide, the face of a man about 45, with heavy black mustache, ruggedly handsome features. Winston made for the stairs. It was no use trying the lift. Even at its best of times, it was seldom working, and at present the electric current was cut off during daylight hours. It was part of the economy drive in preparation for hate week. The flat was seven flights up, and Winston, who was 39 and had a varicose ulcer above his right ankle, went slowly, resting several times on the way. On each landing, opposite the lift shaft, the poster with the enormous face gazed from the wall. It was one of those Pictures which are so contrived that the eyes follow you about when you move. Big Brother is watching you, the caption beneath it read. Inside the flat, a fruity voice was reading out a list of figures which had something to do with the production of pig iron. The voice came from an oblong metal plaque like a dulled mirror which formed part of the surface of the right-hand wall. Winston turned a switch and the voice sank somewhat, though the words were still distinguishable. The instrument, the telescreen was called, could be dimmed, but there was no way of shutting it off completely. He moved over to the window. The smallest, frail figure, the meagerness of his body merely emphasized by the blue coveralls, which were the uniform of the party. His hair was fair, his face naturally sanguine, his skin roughened by coarse soap and blunt razor blades, and the cold of the winter that had just ended. Outside, even though the window pane was shut, the world looked cold. Down in the streets, little eddies of wind were swirling dust and torn papers into spirals. And though the sun was shining and the day a harsh blue, there seemed to be no color in anything except the posters that were plastered everywhere. The black mustached face gazed down from every commanding corner. There was one on the house front immediately opposite. Big Brother is watching you, the caption said, while the dark eyes looked deep into Winston's own. Down at the street level, 
Another poster, torn at the corner, flapped fitfully in the wind, alternately covering and uncovering, uncovering the single word I-N-G-S-O-C. In the far distance, a helicopter skimmed down between the roofs, hovered for an instant like a blue bottle, and darted away again with a curving flight. It was the police patrols snooping into people's windows. The patrols didn't matter, however. Only the thought police mattered. Behind Winston's back, the voice from the telescreen was still babbling away about pig iron and the over-fulfillment of the ninth three-year plan. The telescreen received and transmitted simultaneously. Any sound Winston made above the level of a very low whisper would be picked up by it. Moreover, so long as he remained within the field of vision which the metal plaque commanded, he could be seen as well as heard. There was, of course, no way of knowing whether you were being watched at any given moment, how often or on what system the thought police plugged in on any individual was guesswork. It was even conceivable that they watched everybody, all the time. But at any rate, they could plug in your wire whenever they wanted to. You had to live, did live, from habit that became instinct, in the assumption that every sound you made was overheard, and except in darkness, every movement was scrutinized. Winston kept his back turned to the telescreen. It was safer, though, as he well knew even a back can be revealing. A kilometer away, the Ministry of Truth, his place of work, towards vast and white above the grimy landscape, and this, he thought, was a sort of vague distaste. This was London, chief city of Airstrip One, itself the third most populous of the provinces of Oceania. He tried to squeeze out some childhood memory that should tell him whether London had always been like this. Were there always these vistas of rotting 19th century houses, their sides shored up with the balks of timber, their windows patched with cardboard, their roofs with corrugated iron, their crazy garden walls sagging in in all directions, and the bombed sites where the plaster dust swirled in the air and the willow herbs straggled over the heaps of rubble, and the places where the bombs had cleared a large patch and there'd sprung up sordid colonies of wooded dwellings like chicken houses. But it was no use. He couldn't remember. Nothing remained of his childhood except a series of bright-lit tableaus reoccurring against no background and mostly unintelligible. The Ministry of Truth, mini-true in newspeak, was startlingly different from any other object in sight. It was an enormous pyramidal structure of glittering white concrete soaring up terrace after terrace, 300 meters into the air. From where Winston stood, it was just possible to read 
picked out in its white face in elegant lettering the three slogans of the party. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. The Ministry of Truth contained, it was said, three thousand rooms above ground level and corresponding ramifications below. Scattered about London, there were just three other buildings of similar appearance and size, so completely did they dwarf the surrounding architecture that from the roof of Victory Mansions you could see all four of them simultaneously. They were the homes of the four ministries, between which the entire apparatus of government was divided. The Ministry of Truth, which concerned itself with news, entertainment, education, and the fine arts. The Ministry of Peace, which concerned itself with war. The Ministry of Love, which maintained law and order. And the Ministry of Plenty, which was responsible for economic affairs. Their names in Newspeak, Mini True, Mini Packs, Mini Love, and Mini Plenty. The Ministry of Love was the really frightening one. There were no windows in it at all. Winston had never been inside the Ministry of Love, nor within half a kilometer of it. It was a place impossible to enter except on official business, and then only by penetrating a maze of barbed wire entanglements, steel doors, and hidden machine-gun nests. Even the streets leading up to its outer barriers were roamed by gorilla-faced guards in black uniforms, armed with jointed truncheons. Winston turned around abruptly. He'd set his features into the expression of quiet optimism, which is advisable to wear when facing the telescreen. He crossed the room into the tiny kitchen. By leaving the ministry at this time of day, he'd sacrificed lunch in the canteen and was aware that there was no food in the kitchen except a hunk of dark-colored bread, which he'd got to be saved for tomorrow's breakfast. He took down from the shelf a bottle of colorless liquid with a plain white label marked Victory Gin. It gave off a sickly, oily smell of Chinese rice spirit. Winston poured out nearly a teacupful, nerved himself for a shock, and gulped it down like a dose of medicine. Instantly, his face turned scarlet, and water ran out of his eyes. The stuff was like nitric acid, and moreover, in swallowing it, one had the sensation of being hit in the back of a head with a rubber club. The next moment, however, the burning in his belly died down, and the world began to look more cheerful. He took a cigarette from a crumpled pack marked Victory Cigarettes, and incautiously held it upright, whereupon the tobacco fell out onto the floor. With the next, he was more successful. He went back into the living room and sat down at a small table that stood to the left of the telescreen. From the table, drawer, he took out a pen holder, bottle of ink, and a thick 
quarto-sized blank book with a red back and a marbled cover. Now, for some reason, the telescreen in the living room was in an unusual position. Instead of being placed, as was normal, at the end wall where it could command the whole room, it was in the longer wall opposite the window. To one side of it there was a shallow alcove in which Winston was now sitting, and which, when the flats were built, had probably been intended to hold bookshelves. By sitting in the alcove and keeping well back, Winston was able to remain outside of the range of the telescreen, as far as sight went. He could be heard, of course, but as long as he stayed in his present position, he could not be seen. It was partly the unusual geography of the room that had suggested to him the thing that he was now about to do. But it had also been suggested by the book that he had just taken out of the drawer. It was a peculiarly beautiful book, smooth, creamy paper, a little yellowed with age, kind that hadn't been manufactured for oh, at least forty years past. He could guess, however, the book was much older than that. He'd seen it lying in the window of a frowsy little junk shop in a slummy quarter of the town, just what quarter he didn't now remember, and he'd spent stricken immediately by an overwhelming desire to possess it. Party members were supposed to not go into ordinary shops. Dealing with the free market, it was such a... As it was called, the rule was not strictly kept, because there were various things, like shoelaces, razor blades, which were impossible to get in any other way. He'd given a quick glance up and down the street, and then had slipped inside and bought the book for $2.50. At the time, he wasn't conscious of wanting it for any particular purpose. He'd carried it guiltily home in his briefcase, and even with nothing written in it, it was a compromising possession. The thing that he was about to open was a diary. And that's where we will leave it off for tonight. George Orwell's 1984. We began it tonight and we will continue on till we reach the end. This is a long book, by the way, so we're going to be doing 1984 for quite a number of shows, which is fine because I absolutely love this book. I hope you do too. Hey, thank you so much for popping by on a Thursday night. We'll see you again tomorrow night. We're weekdays now, Monday through Friday. Yeah, join us. Be sure to share this out with your friends. Tell them to jump in for the party. And by the way, please hit that follow button over there. It really helps the show out a lot. All of our sponsors are in the show notes tonight. Give them a check. You'll find some great deals. NordVPN, Brickhouse Nutrition, Skillshare, they're all in there. And of course, our Jay Sheldon Show merch. We'll see you again tomorrow night. Until then, have yourself a great rest of your day. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>